I'm Autumn Lockett. And this is Mitch Randall. And you're listening to Good Faith Weekly. Welcome to Good Faith Weekly. On this episode, Autumn and I are going to catch up because we are out of studio this week. And we've got a great interview for you this week. Marquis Hunt, who is a saxophonist, but he's also an author. And his latest book is The New Human, When the People We Love Love the People We Love. And it is a fascinating book and a great interview. He will inspire your soul, I promise you. So stay tuned. It's going to be a good show. Arms folded, feet pacing the floor. It's written all over your face. The body doesn't hide our true feelings. It disregards promises made to keep the peace or just keep it to ourselves. I'm Reverend Starlette Thomas, host of the Raceless Gospel podcast from Good Faith Media. We're giving our listeners a hand when discerning body language. That's our focus in season three. The church is called the body of Christ. So what does our body language say about perennial and pressing hot button issues? What's costing us an arm and a leg? Who do we give the cold shoulder and keep at arm's length? When have we put our foot in our mouth or turned a blind eye? Why are we still sitting on our hands? Where do we toe the line? And why is the kingdom that is coming not on the tip of our tongues? In season three of the Raceless Gospel Podcast, we'll address these questions in eight episodes, and I hope you'll be all ears. The Raceless Gospel Podcast is looking at body language. I'm your podcast pastor, Reverend Starlet Thomas. Episode one drops on May 5th. Learn more at goodfaithmedia.org. Hey, Autumn. We are recording today, March 17th, and this is dropping much after March 17th. May 17th, my friend. Oh. So yes, you're right. We are in a true Rocky Horror time warp. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I don't even want you to cut this because that kind of tells you the schedule I've been keeping lately. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. What coast are you on? I don't know. You're in the middle right now in the mountains. I'm about to head to Hawaii and then you're going to be in California and then, and then, and then. I don't, last week I was in uh, New England uh, and then I came home for a couple of days, central time zone, and now I'm in Colorado at the Festival of Homiletics. So it's been a great. Did you great get a trip. Jesus-shaped funnel cake? <laughs> Not yet. Uh, okay. That's Don't a great you think idea, that though. if it's a festival, there needs to be funnel cake? There needs to be by funnel d- cake, definition. Right. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so I, I don't even know what city I'm in, much less what month it is. So thanks. For Clearly, you went me. all the way back to St. Patrick's Day, man. Uh, but we are recording this on May 17th because uh, you are out of town this week. Where are you, Autumn Lockett? I am in Hawaii. So oh, that is goodness. the plan. I know. I know. It's exciting. We have a, a band of travelers of Good Faith Media, uh, you know, journal readers, article readers, podcast listeners who heard our ads about how we were going to go on an experience to Hawaii and they signed up. And so um, we are just going to be hosting them on the island. It's going to be exciting. Well, I hope that you and uh, the others are having a wonderful time. But, you know, what a lot of people don't know about Good Faith Media is that, you know, we, we generate all this great content from our digital news and opinion to our videos and podcasts to our journal and books. But there's another offering at Good Faith Media that really doesn't have anything to do with media. It has 
has to do with experiencing God's creation. And that's what you're on right now, one of our good faith experiences. But there's more to, there's more to come in the future. So tell the audience a little bit about what these good faith experiences are and how they can find out more about them. Yes, of course. If you'll uh, if you've been with our podcast for a while, you'll remember that um, last summer we did an experience. We did several experiences, but one of them was in Glacier National Park. And so, what we do is our team picks bucket list places, um, sort of strategically that um, don't have a lot of Wi-Fi access and cell service because we want people to unplug from this media that we generate and are a part of um, and just really focus on God's creation and having some blessed community with people who have been, you know, following along in this hard life and, and finding some glimmers of hope with our content. And so we go to these places. There's not like a Bible study and a worship time, anything like that. Just like Mark was will talk about in the interview later, uh, you don't go into nature. You know, nature is you, and that's sort of this kind of experience that we do. So if you'd like to find out where we're going next, um, Good Faith Media, and then um, click on our Experiences tab, and you can also uh, sign up to learn uh, when we first release our next summer plans. I don't think it's too late. I think the next experience after Hawaii is the Pacific Northwest. Yes, uh, we still have some spots. Near Portland. Yeah, we show up in spots. So anybody interested in signing up, uh, please click on that link. Uh, find out more information about it. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful uh, experience. And then in the fall, we're going to take some people to Amish country in Pennsylvania. So that'll be another great experience. So uh, click on that as well. And uh, got a lot more planned in the future. So uh, really encourage it. It's, it's, it's a great experience. I only get to see beautiful, wonderful places that God uh, created. But you have incredible community, whether that's on a trail uh, as you go to a glacier or see a mountain or look at stars, uh, and then you get to eat uh, some wonderful food and just enjoy fellowship together. So and we do all the planning, experience. right? We do all the planning. Yeah. You, you pay one yeah. fee, you get yourself there. Um, and that's it. And that's it. We will feed you, we'll take you to all the great places. And we have, you know, local and resident experts in that area. So you really are getting to see, it's not just the touristy spaces. You're getting to really see what life is like. Well, Autumn, I hope you and the team are having a wonderful time in Hawaii to listeners. For some reason, if the world has fallen apart uh, after May 17th, we apologize. But we promise we will be back next week to talk about everything that has transpired while we've been away. But until then, enjoy this incredible interview with Marquis Hunt, whose latest book, The New Human, When the love, the people we love, love the people we love. It is a great interview. It's a great book. So stay tuned. Marvel at Pacific Coast Wells. Wonder in rainforests. Explore wild coastlands and towering cliffs. Join Good Faith Media for a unique and immersive experience in the Pacific Northwest and Olympic National Park. Enjoy engaging conversation with your small group of adventurers led by our team, which includes a journalist, historian, and theologian. Join us July the 23rd through 30th. Learn more at faithexperiences.org. Welcome to Good Faith Weekly. On this episode, we've got a very special guest with us all the way from Little Rock, Arkansas. Marcus Hunt is a stellar award Nominated recording artist, most noted for his experience in playing soprano saxophone, but he's eloquently gifted an alto and tenor sax. He has performed, written, and produced for Grammy and Dove Award-nominated albums, 
with an impressive resume, Marquis has shared stages and performed on albums with Kurt Franklin, Yolanda Adams, Backstreet Boys, Fred Hammond, Ben Tankard, and many other notable artists. Marquis was recognized and nominated as Best Jazz Artist by Central Arkansas Music Awards. He is recommended by the Arkansas Arts Council and is a member of the prestigious Arts on Tour program that provides grants to nonprofit organizations for the promotion of music excellence and artistry. Marcus isn't just a talented he uh, headlining saxophonist, though. He writes, produces, and sings as well. He's also an author, poet, speaker, and host of a radio show. Marcus' goal is to always inspire the listener and to encourage them to open their hearts and minds. Marcus considers it's an honor, and in some small way, his music and words can touch his audience. He recently released his most recent book that we're all excited about, and the reason for him being with us at Good Faith Weekly, The New Human, When the People We Love Love the People We Love. It's a great book, and we are excited to have Marcus with us this week. Marcus Hunt, welcome to Good Faith Weekly. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I've got the book right here in hand. You can, uh, listeners, you can pick this copy of uh, the book, uh, The New Human at Amazon.com. It's a great read. You can have it in your hand by tomorrow. So make sure you order it. But uh, Marcos, first question out of the bat, what inspired you to write this book? Man, I was uh, a failure, disappointment, heartbreak. And it was interesting to see how we make putting people out of our lives so easy. Mm. And I wanted to find a way to correct that issue in our culture. That's really good. Uh, well, I appreciate it. Love the human. I mean, I mean the, the title, the New Human, just uh, is very intriguing, very uh, thought-provoking. So uh, when I saw it, I just couldn't wait to pick it up. And, and honestly, the title is sort of a, a mystery a little bit. Um, before we jump into the new human, um, let's define the old human. And I'm assuming that the old human title would be the old human, when the people we love hate the people we love, right? I mean... Well, certainly when the people we love find reasons to not love people we love. Mm, yep. yep. We, we, we keep boundaries. There's a section in the book, uh, a chapter, the, la the, the last chapter I wrote in the book is a chapter on boundaries. Because I was having so many conversations about how people were talking about putting up healthy boundaries. You have to protect yourself. And I think that old human is one that is living a life of fear mm. rather than one of faith and hope and trust. Mm. So, Marcos, what was very interesting to me, as you mentioned boundaries, is that this month is Mental Health Awareness Month. And the book's release coincides with uh, this this entire month. And I know the book isn't entirely about mental well-being, but there are components about it. As you mentioned, boundaries. This book talks about mental health, but it also talks about theology. It talks about uh, emotions, psychology. Uh, did you have all of this in mind as you put the book together? Not initially. I'm a pretty much a mystic and a poet. Mm -hmm. Um, growing up as a child, you know, that I was, my family caused me maybe hard to deal with, very technical, um, thinking too much. And so as I've grown and built professional relationships, I've been very concerned about how we make decisions in our relationships, how we embrace people. And a lot of our belief system is based on how we think and the meaning we give to things. And so it, there's a crossover, I think, developing in the, the world right now where spirituality and psychology and psychiatry are starting to merge again. We've gone decades 
where that split has been there, but now we're seeing a convergence of these particular disciplines find, find ways to marry. Mm-hmm. Well said. Yeah, when the Jesus Band-Aid didn't fix everything, we thought, <laughs> oh, maybe we'll have to involve some science in this thing and that they're not, you know, they're, they're not in tension together all the time. Right, um, absolutely. Yeah, so what kind of transformation are you looking to capture in this book from the old human to the new human? Well, it's right. There's captured in when the people we love love the people we love. The book asks one central question at the beginning. Can I make my best better? And the book is summed up in this statement. Your capacity to love is limitless. And when you're challenged to not believe this, love anyway. Every moment we walk into uh, an experience where we are tempted to fear or we are invited to love. So that new human the one who is willing to accept the invitation to reach within and find what do I have in this moment that's good for me and for everyone. Christ would have said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Right after he focused on the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I think that enemy context is the old human context. Mm -hmm. So I ask the question, are you in this moment to kill, steal, or destroy? Mm -hmm. Or are you here to bring life and life more abundantly. And if the answer is life abundantly, then the duty is to look within. That's great. And Marcus, you talk a lot about love, obviously, in this book. And there's one moment in the book where you you captured this phrase that's just been, it's, it's gripped me. And you claim that we humans are on a search for love. And I love that, uh, that, that we're on this quest, we're on this expedition, looking and searching for love. In fact, you write, the humans tend to search for love through some mode of relationship. So Marcus, why do you think humans have such a strong desire for love within community? Well, we are, in the book, I introduced this phrase called the human event. Hmm. We are our humanity and our individuality almost as though it is distinct from the collective. But humanity is itself an event happening in the world, in the earth. We are all a part part of this collective choosing, vibration, affect that is changing everything with every new moment. Our choices affect the terms and conditions in which the world continues. It's like we are living an ongoing contract with the universe and everything we, every time we breathe, we shift in the world. So the relationship aspect of who we are is the human event is nothing without all of us. We all participate in it at a very specific time. Sometimes those moments are designated, but it demands that we be in relationship with each other in much the same way as our body organs and tissues and cells are in relationship with the other. And so the relationship provides for us a mirror for us to experience ourselves in ways that we didn't know existed. I call it in the book, our secret selves or our sacred selves. Mm-hmm. Each person has something to give me that awakens me to something about me that nobody else on the planet could do. It makes each of us necessary. Mm-hmm. And would you say I there's enough that. room for all of us in this human event? Well, this is what I say. If, if for some reason somebody shows up in your presence or in your consciousness, that alone is proof that there is room for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And later on the book, you talk more about the divine. But in this section in particular, in fact, I wanted to, I'm flipping through pages right now because I made a little note because this human quest or human search for love is instilled in us. And I made a note when I, I underlined this. It's instilled in us through the divine. And there's also this, I think, this misnomer that the divine also searches for love. And it's not based upon an insufficiency. And that's the next question that I was going to ask. But it's on this very nature of outpouring. God created humanity through the outpouring of the divine love. Because one of the most heartbreaking moments in the creation narrative, this is my note, is when sin enters the world and humanity has fallen, the first question on the lips of the divine is what? Where are you? It's the divine searching for this community. And it's just, it's a beautiful expression. I, I mean, again, that just captured me. So well done. I, I really like it. So I know Autumn's got a question about that insufficiency though, because that's yeah. a great section too. Yeah, the quote exactly is, love does not seek to fill insufficiency because love does not see insufficiency. And we really loved that. You know, there, there's a, the, the line about perfect love cast out fear. And that's exactly what, what you're mentioning here. So tell us a little bit more about what you mean with that line about insufficiency. Well, we are trained, I think, domesticated in this world. For whatever reason, we have learned to see the human as and an, an, an event or an agent that must acquire something in order to attain something. The book put forth the premise that life is not about acquiring as much as it's about emerging. So we understand life is for giving rather than for getting. And if you just put in the word, the words together, forgiving and forgetting. And so when, when God talks about sins, he's cast them in the sea of forgetfulness. So the, the notion of God and divinity is not at all interested in being convinced that what it is is not enough. And all of our anxieties, our isms, our schisms, our fights, our offenses are born out of this notion that there's not enough. Right there in the garden, prior to that question, where are you? There's a suggestion that the serpent offers Adam and Eve. It's a suggestion. He wants to convince them or they want to convince them. I don't know where we are now. I don't know if the serpent was a he or they or she or we or us. Right. But that you are not already what God is. The lived experience, the evidence is there is no reason for them to be afraid of anything. But there's a suggestion that comes and they give in and lean into the suggestion. Well, maybe I'm not. And whenever we court that suggestion, we are likely to build protective relationships where someone comes into our life to protect us from a future threat. And so we build our lives believing that insecurity is inevitable. The new human recognizes that insufficiency is just, it's not there. There is enough. That is some powerful, powerful stuff. So I, that was, a, again, an, an extraordinary line in the entire book. Now, Marquis, you went from preaching to meddling in, in, in an instant. 
Shots fired. Shots fired. (laughs) I'm noting this. (laughs) Because you have all of this beautiful explanation about love, and then you throw out this challenge in the middle of the book. Another, it's it's and it's it's really simple, and you hear this cliche a lot, and that's practice what you preach. But you write, speaking truth does not exempt anyone from practicing truth. And when I read that. Man, did that feel like an indictment on the Christian community, because so often we have laced our language and our messaging and even our actions with the words love. But do our actions really uh, solidify that concept of agape love that we read about in Scripture? Um, so my question is, who'd you have in mind when you wrote that, Marcus? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Well, Christianity writ large, um, the institution of love is what I have in mind. In whatever derivation, it's coming to us. Just this past Sunday in the, in the lectionary, there was a statement that Jesus makes. Um, By this shall you know that all people are my disciples that they have love for one another. This is essentially the only qualifier that is that is explicitly given to us to, to determine who is living after the discipline of the Christ. Now we're taught, and especially in Christianity, that we are saved by faith and faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So we've placed so much emphasis on people building their faith and learning the word of God, which, really means learning the scriptures. It doesn't even mean learning the word of God or learning how to experience the truth in every moment, which is where faith is born. And once we live in that sense of faith, that sense of truth, love is a natural outgrowth of understanding, which is essentially the antithesis of what sin is. Sin is to miss the mark and to misunderstand. But once we understand for real, it is virtually impossible to live out of ignorance with awareness. I hope that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Oh, mm-hmm. Perfect sense. So you also talk about joy. You say joy is the. This is so. This is so good, <laughs> listeners. Set down your coffee and listen to this. This this is a great great sentence. I'll L- go ahead. L- listening ears on. Okay. Joy is the enrichment of inner grace that cries out for community. Can that community be found in both the divine and human relationships, Marquis? The what, simple answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the reason is we, we keep wanting to extricate humanity from, from God or from what is sacred. So this has been our rehearsal. The, the human has this, this way of, of, making ourselves better than everything else is we the way we characterize even a phrase as simple as i want to go into nature as if we are not already a part of what nature is it's like i'm going to go into my body i'm going to go into my skin it's that's as that's how absurd the statement is we're not distinct from nature and if we can go into nature then nature can come into us the only thing is trees don't get to travel But the human has a gift of being able to, not the only animal, but to be able to transfer and to travel itself and to interact 
with, with ourselves as nature in ways I think we were designed to. So joy, this, this enrichment of, of community is like, this is how we experience that there is enough. Mm. The community writ large always shows up full of what God is. All we have to do is see it. And part of that scene is in that, that phrase uh, within that sentence, inner grace. You know, we've talked about uh, the divine and human relationship, the vertical and the horizontal. And there's the beautiful passage where Jesus asks what the most important commandment is. And he says, love God with everything you have. But then he tacks on love your neighbor. But then he tacks on to that and says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. I contend, Marquis, that we have a hard time loving neighbor and in turn having a hard time loving God because inside of ourselves, we truly see ourselves as insufficient and we cannot give ourselves that inner grace that you talked about. We don't love ourselves. And I thought that was a light that needed to be shined into the world and a sentence and a phrase that needed to reverberate throughout the land because I just thought that was beautiful. You, you're giving me chills, Mitch, because you, you, you're making me believe I wrote something I didn't even know I wrote. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but because I'm hearing as you speak, you know, what's, what's interesting about these interviews is I never know what question someone will ask. And the book, The New Human Grows with all of these conversations. I mean, I've explored more about who I am now than I did 30 minutes ago because of this conversation. But listening to you quote that passage, love God, it's really interesting because when we hear that, we think we can love God without loving ourselves. Mm -hmm. So the, the first call is to love God, which means love everything, which means I have to see God where you are. Mm -hmm. Then it makes it possible for me to love my neighbor because I don't see the neighbor as distinct from God. Mm -hmm. and I can love the neighbor as I love myself because I don't see myself as distinct from God. We are all of the same community, of the same origin. That's when Jesus prayed, when he, when he said, well, I'm gonna teach you to pray this. When they asked him, teach us to pray. He said, the first thing you have to understand when you pray, you pray our father. We all start together is what that statement means. Yeah. It's a really important that our space there, um, that it's all of our collective. There's no qualifiers on our. It doesn't right. say, you know, theirs or mine or but you know, some of this inner critic that you all are talking about is baked in to the way a lot of us were brought up in faith. That we're mm -hmm. dirty, that we're unclean, that we're full of sin, that we're, we are separate from God, you know, and that we have to keep working to try to grab onto Jesus so that we can, you know, pass muster for God and we're never going to get there. Like there's not enough bootstrap pulling in the world to get us there. And so, I don't know, there's just something really, um, uh, just there's a kindness here to self, mm -hmm. to others, that a lot of us who are brought up in faith spaces weren't ever given permission to have that kind of grace. Right. Yeah, there was so much, we had so much, we've had so much torment. It's a great so, word for it. Yep. And so much abuse. I love, I love the word, the, the phrase inner critic. Uh, I do, uh, because we, we've had this happen to us that we, we 
are convinced that we are not what God is. We're convinced that we're not um, where God is. And here's the, merge and the, the, the convergence of science and spirit. We accept that God is omnipresent, which simply means everywhere. And but what we have failed to see that our bodies is really just a collection of molecules and atoms. And if we break open the science, we know that each atom has space between it. So imagine God fills that space between the molecules and the atoms, that God is also filling the atoms and the molecules, which means if God is everywhere, God must be completely resident in every molecule and fiber of my body. I don't have to look outside of myself to find what God is. I say the statement, I may not be all of what God is, but all of me can be what God is. Oh, so I need good. you to see, I need you to experience the more of God. I need you to experience the more of love, but I don't need you to experience love or God, just more of it. Mm -hmm. I am well, this not book is filled with that. <laughs> this book is filled with all kinds of wisdom exactly like that. And it's just, it's really beautiful. Even the artistry on the, the cover of the book is just mesmerizing uh, as it uh, is a tree made up of human bodies. It's just, it's, it's just girl art. Well, I've got one last question for you before I turn you over to Autumn who ask every guest uh, our final question. Uh, and it's on page 86 of the book. You write about, and I don't know if a misunderstanding of love, I wrote that down in the question, if that's the right way to, to phrase it. But on page 86, you write, love shows up through me to demonstrate its so-called eternal presence, where there are many, or where there may be someone who looked for love in predictable places, only to realize love had changed its form, but not its power. That someone who looked for love in predictable places, only to realize that love had changed its form, but not its power. What did you, I mean, that just, that saying to me, what did that, what did you mean when you wrote that? Well, I was born out of um, Course in Miracles talks about idols, A Course in Miracles. And it says an idol is essentially restricting the Holy Spirit to be what you have determined it to be. We see through the scriptures, this, this uh, breakdown, we see it with David and the prophet. I got a king for you. And then we go look for the king and all of the familiar, all of the normal tropes. And God's like, eh, I was there, but I'm not there anymore. <laughs> uh, Joseph, Jesus, uh, he is not the king that they anticipated or the Messiah that they anticipated. What is curious about being in the world is we tell ourselves that every moment can be like something it was. There's a piece of, there's a piece of poetry in the book said, Never make it like it was. Uh, never try to recapture the, the brilliance of the meetup, the new relationship, the, the fantasy. Because every time we breathe, the world shifts. Mm. It's, it's dishonest for us to believe that we could recapture a moment because we simply cannot. Love has to adjust to the new moment. Mm -hmm. This is what love is. It is the capacity to and to be brand new. 
It I demands that. that we live in presence. We, we, that it, it calls us to a practice, a daily practice of, of continuing to die. If you've made a promise till death do you part, you'll never refuse to die every day. What, what I hear you saying is that we don't want to make love great again. We want to sit with it where it is right now. Can I borrow that line? Can I it's yours. That? It's yours. You can put it on a red hat I mean, if you want. Like, That's fine. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that. I love that. Don't try to make love great again. Oh, my God. That's a It's still one. here. You don't have to go chasing it, right? It's still here. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, still here. So, well, Marcus Hunt, thank you so much uh, for being with us this week. Uh, the book is The New Human When the People We Love Love the People We Love. It is absolutely brilliant. It is filled with wisdom. It will be challenging and inspirational. You can pick up The New Human at Amazon.com. Make certain you click on that link at the in the show notes uh, to purchase it because it's absolutely fantastic. Marcus, we appreciate you being here. But before we let you go, Autumn's got one last question that she asked every one of our guests. Mark, was our tagline at Good Faith Media is there's more to tell. So as we, you know, look through your book and talk about it today, what is your more to tell? I was asked the question, what is the story of the new human? Because I think your question asks me to tell one. And what I tell them, the new human doesn't have a story because every moment is brand new. Oh, I love that. That's fantastic. It's liberating. That's so end. exciting. <laughs> uh, what a great way to end. Again, click on the show link, go to Amazon, pick up The New Human today. It's a fabulous book. If you want to know more about Marquis, uh, music and writings, make certain you log on to marquishunt.org. And that also uh, that all that link is also in the show notes. Marquis, it's been a delight, my friend. It's always great to see you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. I hope you have me back. Next okay. time with your saxophone, Marquis. Okay. 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 <laughs> That's right. Uh, to our listeners, we want to thank you again for tuning in this week. Uh, as always, uh, Autumn and I will be back next week with another guest. Until then, keep living good faith. <laughs>